The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. If instead Putin doubles down, then so shall we, further ratcheting up economic pressure and supporting Ukraine with finance. Sanctions have to be as powerful as they can possibly be. We will be pushing the government to go further and faster. We could have a massive miscalculation and we will then be in a full-scale war across the globe. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepke. Today, a double defeat for Boris Johnson as voters in two by-elections ditched the Conservatives to elect new Lib Dem and Labour MPs. We'll have reaction from across the political spectrum. Plus, we'll discuss what's next for the Conservative Party with the former minister, Jim O'Neill, and Theresa May's former spokesperson, Jerry Jones. So two very different constituencies, both dealing blows to the Conservative Party. In Devon, the Lib Dems wiping out a Tory majority of over 24,000 to win the seat in Tiverton and Honiton. That's the biggest majority ever overturned in a by-election. Former Army Major Richard Ford securing the seat with a 30% swing to the Lib Dems. Your extraordinary efforts have delivered an historic result and sent a shockwave through British politics. The people of Tiverton and Honiton have spoken for Britain. They've sent a loud and clear message. It's time for Boris Johnson to go. Okay. meanwhile, in Wakefield in West Yorkshire, Labour's Simon Lightwood defeated his Tory rival by almost 5,000 votes. The party winning back a red wall seat where its support had slumped in the 2019 general election. The Labour leader Keir Starmer says the win sends a clear message to the Conservative government. The Tory party is absolutely imploding. Um, They know they're out of ideas and they're out of touch. If they had any decency, they'd get out of the way for the next Labour government. Recriminations are swift among some Conservatives. Party chairman Oliver Dowden resigning, saying we cannot carry on with business as usual. The Prime Minister received the bad news while on a trip to Rwanda. He says he will listen to what voters are saying, but plans to keep going, in his words. We've had some some tough by-election results, and uh, they've been, I think, uh, a reflection of a lot of things. But we've got to recognise that uh, voters are going through a tough time at the moment, and... I think that as a a government, uh, I've got to listen to what people are saying. Okay, the Prime Minister is saying he has to listen, but it's not just the scale of the loss, it's also the nature of the defeat that will perhaps most worry Tories. Let's bring in Bloomberg's James Walcock now, who's in the studio with us. Two defeats, two very different constituencies. Where does all this leave Boris Johnson? Well, I mean, it leaves Boris Johnson in Rwanda in the morning, struggling to make sense of the numbers coming back at him. Um, now... It's so bad to give you a sense of like quite how difficult these results are that the Conservative candidate for Tiverton and Honiton, Helen Herford, locked herself in a dance studio reportedly to avoid press questions before the numbers came out. These swings on a by-election are not necessarily how things will turn out in a general election, but they are a sign of where public mood is at, where public apathy is at. And it is not typical for the Conservative campaign chair, Oliver Dowden, who backed Boris Johnson in the leadership race, 
who has been a cabinet minister for his entire premiership to quit on the back of these results. It is not normal. It is not usual. And it is the first cabinet minister to go since the Partygate allegations, which journalists have said over and over were coming up on the doorstep. Okay. Well, earlier, uh, Stephen Cowell and Anna Edwards were actually speaking to a Conservative MP, to Sir Roger Gale. He's the MP for North Thanet. He's, of course, not been a fan of Boris Johnson, and he says that others will now also be considering their position uh, in terms uh, of what the Prime Minister's done. I would be surprised if it hadn't changed some minds. I think there will be people now looking very carefully at the future of the party and, of course, of their own futures and maybe deciding what to do next about the Prime Minister, because the Prime Minister, I'm afraid, is the problem, not the solution. So, I suppose, then, in that case, how do you solve a problem like Boris Johnson? Well, exactly. How do you solve a problem like Maria? I mean, it's, it is a problem, um, because we've had the vote, and I'm not personally, unlike the Prime Minister, in favour of changing the rules of the game in the middle of the game. But I think downstream, when the Privileges Committee reports, if they were to find that he had misled the House and suspend him from the House, and if he then did not resign, then we would have to change the rules. But the alternative is, and Oliver Dowden, as as you clearly reported and know, has resigned honourably. He's a decent man. He's done what he believes to be the right thing. If other members of the Cabinet follow then at that point, um, Mr Johnson might find himself unable to form an administration and he would have to go. That is a possibility. Do you sense that anybody in the Cabinet is, is uh, ripe to change their mind? I think it's a possibility. I, it's not up to me to tell my Cabinet colleagues what to think or do. They're grown-ups. They have to make up their own minds and take their own decisions. And no doubt they will do that. How can a Conservative Party win back voters before a next election? if Boris Johnson is still leader? I think quite simply by a, well, not simply, but I think partly by a change of leadership. We've got good candidates waiting in the wings, and I'm not going to name any particular one, um, but there are at least half a dozen people, any one of whom would, in my view, do a better job than the current Prime Minister. But the Prime Minister has trashed the party's reputation for honesty and decency and compassion. We are a one-nation party. I'm a one-nation conservative. I believe in my party, and I think the the soul of my party is at stake at the moment. I was going to say to MP Roger Gale, not uh, mincing his words there. Let's uh, talk to talk to James about uh, Labour now and the opposition parties. So the Lib Dems is another big, three big election wins for them, three big by-election wins, but can they convert it into further success? And for Labour, well, Wakefield was quite an easy win for them, wasn't it? Uh, they needed a 4% swing. They got about 125 in the end. Does this put them on course to win in the general election? Um, I mean, it could you. And broadly, there are two tales to tell here. The tale of a battleground state, uh, so in the case of Wakefield, where Labour were always in competition and like edged it out, an 18-point lead, I think it was, but that gives them, in a general election, a chance to win. Now, Tiverton is a very different story. That is a vision for disaster. Now, obviously, in a by-election, you're getting, as I mentioned earlier on in the programme, like a taste of what could happen, a taste of apathy. You look at the Labour share in Tiverton and Honiston, it went down 16%. There is clearly tactical voting going going on there. You don't drop that much without like a serious issue when you're not the party in government. Um, but would that re-reflect the general election? Unlikely. But any Conservative MP is looking around going, could that happen to me today? If you took the swing reflected in Tiverton and Honiton and took it nationwide, there would only be 40 Tory MPs in seats. So even at that extreme level, Conservative MPs will be looking at the result today and saying, 
if this apathy doesn't die down and from it's reflected in how people think about Johnson and how people think about the economy, if it's not a short term flash in the pan, how do we change the narrative from here? What can we can do what, if the economy is only going to get worse to bring back some of these voters? And Boris Johnson is going to find that a very difficult question to answer. Thanks, James. Of course, the danger of that uh, tactical rewind for the Conservatives, Labour and Lib Dem voters ganging up to beat the Conservatives. Well, let's hear now from Janet Davey, uh, Labour MP, we spoke to earlier. Everybody's really experiencing the, the cost of living crisis, as I said, and it's really starting to hit families hard, small businesses, even large businesses hard. Mm. And I think it's really affected the, the confidence that the public has in in politicians, unfortunately, and that's not easy to say. And there's work that needs to be done, obviously, in building up that trust and that confidence. And, and, you know, Labour, we still need to keep on working on that and building up messages and and confidence and getting out the message as well as to how we would be rebuilding the economy and making the changes that the country really needs. But I think today, um, with the outcome of the results for the two by-elections, is, is again a, a statement really from the public saying, you know, we've but, lost confidence in the Tories. Um, and, but was and that quite strongly? Janet, sorry, if the, if that vote was, as you say, is was a protest vote against the Tories, it wasn't really a ringing endorsement of of Labour and Keir Starmer either. So if if we look at Wakefield and we look at the majority that was there from the previous Tory um, uh, MP. Uh, during uh, a general election, the one in 2019, that majority was, was 3,000. We know turnouts are generally lower during by-elections. Um, but, you know, in this by-election, the actual vote was just under 5,000. So there's a, a big significant difference there and in terms of the majority of the vote. And I'd like to, for me, and how I perceive this, is that the red wall um, votes uh, are, are changing again back to Labour. So for me, they they are positive steps forward in in terms of the, the signs that we are looking for as a party. But we do need to do more. I think you know we need to keep on communicating, keep on um, uh, connecting with the public. It's really really important that we do that. Janet Davey there, the Labour MP for Lewisham, speaking to us. Well, it means a third big by-election win for the Liberal Democrats. Uh, Here is Sir Vince Cable, the former Liberal Democrat um, leader, speaking to us on Bloomberg Radio. Well, it was an absolutely spectacular result. Um, It was achieved a combination of things. I mean, clearly the Prime Minister is desperately unpopular, the government's unpopular. Um, Our people had a very strong record of local community campaigning. That helps. And I I think a key factor was the willingness of Labour people to vote tactically. We we lost some of that after the coalition, and I think it's now come back in three successive by-elections. And there's no reason why that shouldn't carry through into the next general election. Okay, so so Cable, so you see maybe that tactical voting continuing. Would you be open, would you advocate for, for for the potential of a coalition with Labour? No, I, I don't think there's a, an appetite in the Lib Dems or, or the other parties, I suspect, for a formal coalition. 
but I think in the next general election, there will be a kind of tacit understanding amongst voters, uh, as there was in 1997. We may get a repetition of that, that kind of environment. Uh, the difference being that as, as of yet, the, the Labour Party have not quite achieved the momentum that they had in Tony Blair. So we're we may be heading for something messier than 1997, but, but with the same pattern of voting. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. So Boris Johnson is trying to brush off the losses, vowing to keep going. That's after one of his key supporters, Conservative Party Chairman Oliver Dowden, handed in his resignation this morning. And bad news on the economy as consumer confidence slumps to a 48-year low amid the cost of living crisis. All this comes exactly six years to the day that David Cameron made that dramatic resignation speech outside Number 10 Downing Street. Absolutely. Remember waking up early to watch that resignation. Well, earlier on Bloomberg uh, Radio, Tom McKenzie and I were talking about this, about what happens next, not just for Boris Johnson, but for the Conservative Party themselves, and also, more importantly, I think, for voters and the economy. The election result is a calamitous one, that according to Joey Jones, a former journalist and spokesperson for Theresa May, and it's from a tired government, according to Lord Jim O'Neill, former Goldman Sachs chairman, Chatham House chairman, former Conservative minister. They joined us earlier on Bloomberg Radio. Well, they're calamitous, really, for the Conservative Party. Uh, Conservative advisers had, of course, been trying to manage expectations ahead of the votes uh, and suggest that these seats might well both be lost, as they have. But to overturn a, a 24,000 majority in Tiverton and Holliton is, uh, I think, it's historically entirely unprecedented. Uh, and it shows a complete collapse uh, in support uh, for and enthusiasm for the Conservative Party right at the moment. The, the, the question for, the, for people wondering whether or not Boris Johnson should stay as Prime Minister is really, is this his fault? And what he's saying, uh, and you heard that in the, in the clip from him in, in Rwanda, is that basically this is a, confluent, a, a number of factors that have come together, midterm blues, if you like, combined with really, really, really difficult economic conditions. OK, um, so Joey Jones says it's calamitous. Lord O'Neill, good morning. Thanks so much for being with mm-hmm. us on radio again. Why do you think Conservatives lost? Is it down to the economy or is it just personality well let me just say uh you know i'm i'm a crossbencher and have no political sort of skin in the game as such uh and in that sense i probably have no idea about what, what people think often about these things but um you know it is often the case in the middle of a government the in by-elections people have a go at the existing government so it's not necessarily a sign of uh, what things would happen in a general election. However, mm-hmm. uh, the country is a mess uh, and the Conservative government seems very tired, irrelevant of what seems to be 
never-ending question marks about whether Boris Johnson is really capable of the tough life of being a 24-7 focused leader. Uh, it looks to me like this is a government that is tired of being in office, to be quite honest. Uh, Jim, Jim, what what is your prognosis then? Of you talk about the fact that the the, the country is is in is in a mess. Talk to us about the economics, and we've had that survey data out in terms of the consumer and in retail, of course. And we know that a recession now is very likely, if not, we're already in one. What is your prognosis of the economic health of this country, and what would your suggestions be, your advice be to this government to get a grip on the economic challenges facing this country? I mean, first of all, uh, there's a lot of forces going on here which obviously aren't unique to the UK and many other countries around the world, particularly the Western world, have degrees of the same issue. Uh, And that's effectively hits to the, what economists would call the supply side of the economies because of both uh, COVID and, of course, the consequences of the Ukraine invasion. Um, But the issue here is that there's no, it's not at all clear what is the economic policy framework for, for this government. Um, they, they, they seem to just lurch from trying to be popular uh, in the next few days in responding to whatever event happens and trying to appear as though, you know, that's what they believe. And I think that's possibly partly behind these votes. It's not just Partygate. People also, what exactly is it that this government is trying to give us? Is it much higher permanent government spending and with it much higher taxes or what? Uh, And there's no real framework for policy. I I personally am immersed in the so-called levelling up agenda, particularly around around the so-called Northern Powerhouse. And you listen to leading Tory figures this morning, and it's, it's hard to hear that even getting a mention. And I would have thought the Tiverton resort in particular, uh, which is much bigger defeat for them, in my view, than Wakefield, uh, means that they're going to be increasingly more focused on the so-called blue wall seats than the red wall seats, which means mm. less, less focus on what was supposedly the signatory policy of this government, but as of yet has done virtually nothing on it. Well, Lord, I know you're focused on that levelling up agenda. You must have been pretty disappointed by the terrible Bloomberg analysis, terrible in the sense of how the Tories have, have delivered it so far. But we'll come back to that. I want to bring Joey back in. Um, the, an election has to happen by January 2025. Keir Starmer says the Tories are imploding. Which Tories are now going to be most worried about their seats if, you know, if now the blue wall is up for, for grabs? Yeah, I think that, that Jim's completely right. Uh, that, that, uh, but, but, of course, this is the difficulty that Boris Johnson has to navigate in terms of a very restive parliamentary party. Though let's not forget, of course, the parliamentary party have had, had their shot for this 12 months of trying to remove him. So, in theory, uh, he is uh, secure from another, another confidence vote for at least, what, another 11 months. But the problem is that if he does <clears throat> now swing back to try to shore up in the home counties, if you like, uh, against a resurgent Liberal Democrat party. What's that going to mean for that clutch of new and now very vulnerable Conservative M- uh, MPs in the, in the Red Wall? They're going to get very, very grumpy very, very quickly. So it's going to be, it's going to be a really, really bumpy ride for, for Boris Johnson if he gets through the next 24 hours, which obviously is going to be his focus right now. 
Uh, Lord O'Neill, you touched on this, and Joey has drawn it out as well, that focus on the red wall seats and the central contradiction mm-hmm. within Conservative Party politics now, which, of course, is the free market ideology of Rishi Sunak versus the demands from those red wall MPs for more, for more spending. Uh, and we've detailed the data that shows that there has been uh, little to no progress in terms of levelling up. What would your policy prescription be then to address the concerns of those in the north? I mean, you know, given how far I go back to the core of all of this, uh, you know, I, I think it would be really good to, to to be able to move on the levers that could be permanent and outlast uh, this government, because this this is now a genie that's out of the bottle on levelling up around the country, and it, it, it won't disappear, I don't think, although it might have a different name with the current government, but... So the thing that they really should do is push more sincerely on devolution. If you look at the levelling up white paper, uh, there's a lot of quite powerful, uh, impressive, frankly, talk about levelling up, in, uh, about uh, the devolution part of it in theory. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily require a lot more money. That requires giving away powers and responsibility to elected mayors uh, around the country. And th- there are some signs that... Uh, you know, to, and the two Andys, Andy Street, Birmingham, uh, Andy Birmingham, Greater Manchester, have, have actually done a pretty vindicating job for the role of, of elected mayors in, around the country. So they should they should really push ahead on that to show, first of all, that they mean it, and because it's so important to such a ridiculously centrally run country. Um, it's mm. not just about trying to throw money at it, um, although obviously... Uh, giving some money to certain things will obviously be helpful too. But devolution of powers, uh, including devolution of skills, and in my view, uh, a much more imaginative approach to some of the hardcore challenges involving things like basic education, which uh, this government persists with a highly centralised approach. Yeah, I mean, a big cheer from London for that. I mean, just looking at the TFL mess this week, you know, that is a case in point, isn't it? Um, Joey, um, who resigns next? And surely, if the Tories want rid of Johnson, the 12-month rules around the confidence vote or not, they will get rid of the Prime Minister one way or the other. That's the flexibility of the Conservative Party. Yes, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just say one thing? I could not agree more with the diagnosis around, you know, levelling up uh, that, that we've just heard. There. And I think it's a shame that, <laughs> that Lord O'Neill isn't still in government, because I think that what he's saying sounds so resonant with, you know, people up and down the country and just really, really sensible. And I think actually, just let's consider for one moment, there's, a ga- there's going to be a vacuum around this, probably. And it's surprising that the Labour Party hasn't re- managed thus far really to grab this, uh, this gender. I think the vote in Wakefield shows disillusionment with the Conservative Party, but not massive enthusiasm for, uh, for Labour. And that's actually what, one of the things that, that other Cabinet members will now be weighing, because it, they will probably realise that if the party could renew in some way, if the party could look less tired, um, then, they, then Labour is still there for the taking, bluntly. Uh, the question I would, the, the, the individual I would look at uh, is Michael Gove. I just think, think that Michael Gove is the minister who, he's obviously the levelling up minister for one thing, but he's also the minister who has really, the only one who's managed to drive through policy agendas in each ministry, in each department where he's been working. He's also done for Boris Johnson once before, of course, when, when they were both, uh, when he was supporting him for the leadership and then withdrew, as I remember very well, because I was working for Theresa May uh, at the time. 
And I just think that he's got, if you like, okay. the intellectual as well as the political clout. I would be very nervous of what he might do next if I was okay. in Okay. Watching Michael Gove. Jerry, thank you. Let me get one last one to Lord O'Neill before we, we let you both go. Generous with your time, as you have been. Uh, Lord O'Neill, what is the biggest economic risk facing the UK at this point? Uh, more of the same. I mean, underlying all of this uh, is we have a desperately weak productivity performance, which is why detail about the levelling up agenda and issues to do with skills and devolution are just so important. It's not just stuff to pay lip service to. We have thrown the kitchen sink of monetary and fiscal policy at the economy. And as we're seeing with supply constraints, the economy still can't sustain proper non-inflationary growth with that stimulus, which is now having to be taken away. So we need to be seriously addressing the underlying structural issues, which partly for global events, partly because of the politics of the Tory party, partly because of the nature of the personality of the guy at the top. We don't seem to be truly capable of doing what it's desperately needed. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.